Neurofeedback is a growing technique that aids in better self-control over brain functions. It's widely used in personal performance enhancement as well as treatment of psychological conditions such as anxiety, autism, ADHD and many more. In this episode of Bridging the Gap, we host Dr. Jamil El-Babli, who is an expert in speech pathology and neurofeedback with experience in special education and support in the sports industry, especially in the world-renowned Aspire Academy in Qatar. He shares some of his success stories of neurofeedback therapy and details behind these successes. He also gives his advice to those who are dealing with psychological conditions or difficulties, as well as some pointers to a healthier brain. Please have a listen. Dr. Jamil Al-Babli, thanks for coming on our podcast. Ramadan Kareem to you and to your family. We are really happy to have you in this special episode, talking about a very special topic, something that I find quite interesting, quite different than the uh, discussions that we have uh, day to day, and that is neuroscience. Um, before I get into that, I'd like to know, or I'd like our listeners to know more about you, the, the speech pathologist. Uh, you started, obviously, in Jordan. Tell us, tell us more about your uh, background, please. Well, uh, Mohanad uh, Ramadan Karim, and uh, and uh, as for me, uh, Dr. Jamil Babli, I have uh, a PhD and a special ed and uh, MA in uh, uh, speech therapy. Uh, and recently I acquired the American board in neurofeedback therapy. And that's enabled me to get uh, a medical privilege from Ministry of Health uh, of Qatar to open the first clinic specialized in neuroscience application where we used the advanced technology to measure the brain uh, brain activity and uh, we uh, do like we do assessment for the brain activity then we are able to uh, enhance performance and uh, fix the problems if there is any yeah so yeah. i have uh, like working experience more than 30 years but wow. as for the neuroscience for the last 12 years i found myself going deep in this direction nice but you you started as a speech pathologist and you were uh, you were uh, concerned with special education obviously you're also a teacher at some stage in your uh, career what made you and 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 I forgot to mention that you spent the last 14 years with the with the world-renowned Aspire Academy in, in Qatar. Mm. And so, so what made you change your attention from all of this to, to neuroscience or to neurofeedback? Yeah, that's it's it has a little story and it was back to 1997. I was working in Oman and there was a boy, by the way. At that moment, maybe I am that maybe that was the first speech therapy in Oman at that date. Wow. Okay. And I it happens to work with uh, a little boy who had a car accident and uh, he had a brain injury and the injury was at the front of his head. So at the head to the left side of the head, there is language center. So we have. If there is the damage comes to the 
back of the head, it's awareness aphasia, we call it, where the language center, it's affected badly. But mm-hmm. if it's at the frontal side, we call it broca's aphasia. Mm-hmm. So this particular boy, he got broca's aphasia at the front. So he can understand and perceive the language, but he couldn't express himself. During the training session, his dad was sitting with me and he's trying to hit with his oh, wow. back of the hand, the head of his son. And it was very painful. And I feel the boy, he is in a great pain. Then I asked the dad, why are you doing this? He said, I'm trying like if there is like, you know, some disconnection. I'm trying to do something. So from this particular like scene i was talking to myself as a specialist Mm -hmm. if we got like a technology and we could like take a look at exact brain from inside yeah that will be very helpful for our client then maybe after 20 or then that was 2009 i managed to had a workshop about neurofeedback then from the first five minutes at the introduction level, I said to myself, oh, that's exactly what I was looking for. And that's what I want. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, yeah, then the doctor who gave us the course, it was over one week. I took his number. Then I get connected with him. Then I ask him to send me resources. Then I start reading and exploring this field. And I start from there. And being in Aspire Academy, which is a place for uh, developing mm-hmm. and scouting the uh, athletes, students, athletes, yeah. I found myself in a very uh, productive environment. The, the My manager, they supported me and they managed to, to help me a lot in this direction. And at the same time, we helped lots of uh, players and national teams level. Yeah. So it was great accomplishments since then. Excellent. And, and how, how did your time in Aspire, um, uh, how, how did you find that time? Did, did you uh, see a different application of, of uh, neurofeedback, especially that it's the fourth sort of academy, uh, compared to um, other applications where people actually have conditions, you know, uh, you know. So, so, I'm, so I'm trying to figure out the difference between an application for enhancing performance compared to an application where you're actually treating a, con- a particular condition. Oh, that's that's a good question. Um, actually, I was working in Aspire as a head for academic support or learning support. So working with uh, kids or students, athletes, who is struggling in their learning, in their attention, memory. So I find out when I was working with students in enhancing his brain function at the academic level, then I find him, he's exceeding in his sport. Basically, you come you come to the operating system itself and you enhance the performance, then the whole body and mind, they are benefit from this. So I have this little boy, he was, I think it was in grade seven or eight. 
and he has uh, this uh, like emotional problem this mm-hmm. for for no reason he start crying if anyone bother him but he's yeah. very fast very uh, very important player then after i start training him and he was playing at the defender mm-hmm. he found my uh, he found his himself scoring more than 25 goal in wow. the in the competition yeah. wow. then uh, yeah the, he was the top scorer it was before corona yeah so yeah. and at the same time he is uh, making a huge progress in his academic level Mm-hmm. So basically, we try to help the academic, but we find out the positive effect of the neurofeedback at the sport level as well. So it's it's helping in every single direction. Wow! Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's good to hear. And 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 these sort of stories are uh, usually hidden. You know, we don't hear about these stories. Do you have any other stories that? You know that uh, that are more relatable to you know younger kids that have had certain conditions that have recovered using neurofeedback and have recovered well in certain in different aspects, not just one one aspect. Yeah, actually, if I want to tell you the story, it might take another like uh, well, I did like one week <laughs> to finish this story. It's more yeah, maybe, than maybe 15 years. <laughs> so one of the One of the story, he was a player who is playing in the top uh, club in, in Qatar. And I know the medical head, the doctor who is in the team. So he sent me and he referred uh, a player for me who managed to have like every month a hamstring problem, the back muscle of yeah. his leg. Yeah. So the big muscle. He gets hamstering like every... So when I interview the, the player, he's an attacker and he's a nice uh, guy. Then when I interview him, I ask him about his sleeping. He mm-hmm. said, uh, I sleep as a wolf with eyes open. You know, yeah, wow. sleep. Yeah. yeah. So I told him, okay, tell me about your sleeping. He said, I sleep very well. But you know what? I have... Two little uh, boys where I spend most of my night playing with them. And then after the assessment, we did like a brain map for him. And we find out that he's having a very uh, bad sleeping brain waves at the middle of the head, the sensor motor strip, SMR. We have this pattern of brain waves When you go to sleep, these brain waves it's activated. Mm-hmm. So whenever it's it's very high, it's isolated the brain from outside environmental stimulation. So basically, uh, if these brain waves not uh, working very well, your brain will not be able to go to deeper level of sleep. So when you when you close your eyes, uh, you don't hear, you don't listen, you don't also see, and you don't feel the air from the AC coming to your skin. All everything has to be shut down. If you don't shut down all your senses, you will not be able to go in a deeper sleep. 
So we find mm -hmm. out these brain waves, they are not functioning in a proper way. Then after I trained this up for him and we fixed these brain waves, after maybe he got 15, 15 session, then he go back to his club. The coach, after we get back from COVID, he was exceeding very amazingly in the, his wow. uh, okay. reaction time, and he considered him the best player in the team. And when you, when you say when you say fixing, when you say you fixed him, what, what did you actually do? I mean, we apart... do, we do, yeah, we do neurofeedback training. He has to come. So after the assessment, we adjust the protocol to uh, to uh, to train and to have the brain learning how to regulate these brain waves. Mm -hmm. So we talk about SMR, they were very low, then we up-train it. So, so, so we train for, yeah, this, uh, the training protocol in a neurofeedback. That's what we mean fixing the, the, the brain. Yeah. So we go, we basically, we work with around the brain waves and we fix these brain waves. Okay. No, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was actually about to, to clarify to our listeners that neurofeedback is is it's is a sort of uh, biofeedback mechanism which is quite powerful, uh, and it basically teaches self-control of, of certain brain functions. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, maybe you want yeah, to say right. more about that. Exactly. Yeah, this particular player after he gets his training. And we get COVID, then we, you know, we look down. He gets back very, uh, very uh, strong and uh, reach a very peak level, top peak level. And uh, since then, he's never got uh, a hamstring. And he learned how to uh, to have a sleeping hygiene program. We put him in a sleeping hygiene program where he has to go to sleep early and uh, have uh, you know a deeper sleep, uh, yeah. black pitch uh, room without like light or. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, very disciplined in this. And now he is Excellent. maybe, I think, 30-something, but he's still receiving a high-paid contract. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you uh, maybe uh, a different type of question about neurofeedback and, and being uh, such a, a highly debatable sort of field, because if you read about neurofeedback or, you know, us outsiders, once we read about neurofeedback, we find out that there is no uh, sort of consensus over the uh, the protest itself, no one completely agrees with how effective it is, and no one completely disagrees with how effective it is. So, uh, what do you think of that? And do you think that we are at a point in time where research is leaning more towards neurofeedback, proving it more and more, and it's now a solid type of uh, treatment, or do you think there is uh, room for improvement and room for more research? Well, if you ask me this question, maybe five years ago, it, I might tell you people in a debate, but uh, for maybe the last three or four years, because the advancement of technology, it makes it uh, more effective. And in 2019, I managed to do a presentation 
for aspitar it's aspitar for it's a hospital for uh, sport injury yeah so i did presentation then i go to the popmed and i google uh, i search for a neurofeedback then i find there around 700 research and articles about neurofeedback mm-hmm. last month i managed to do presentation for qatar foundation uh, employee about the neurofeedback then i did the same thing i researched the popmed website then there was around 3000 uh, research in neurofeedback mm-hmm. uh, during covid-19 people they seek uh, you know seek uh, real help to get rid from their lots of anxiety and depression. And you know, it's the cause of yeah. this pandemic yeah. create lots of mental health issues among people, even That's people true. who's never suffered before. So yeah. neurofeedback was a very good solution for these people. And I think it was booming since then. But uh, the uh, neurofeedback itself, it's FDA approved technology. Mm-hmm. And the, it was starting with uh, five different states in America who is start the insurance, giving a green light uh, for uh, having uh, a neurofeedback as a therapeutic solution for problems like depression, ADHD, uh and uh, many other uh, disorders mm-hmm. so if we get like a green light from the insurance that means it uh, it's uh, gaining the proper approval uh, from uh, legal uh, uh, you know legislations yeah yeah no that's that's good to hear and 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 maybe that leads me to the next question of of, of obviously being uh, being an arab working in the arab world uh, and applying this uh, this technique neurofeedback do you do you sort of struggle with the uh, concept of what is normal because at the end of the day you're trying to teach the brain some sort of self control and and make it act normally so the the concept of normal is that Is that different to, to what you see in research? Because obviously the research is done in the West and, and what you want to implement here in the Arab world, or do you see similarities and it's not really that difficult and it, it basically balances out? Yeah, that's that's a very uh, yeah, uh, great question because most of the time we are uh, in Arab world, we are lacking for normative data. That uh, could be uh, a measuring tool for the normal or abnormal people. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about the brain, the brain itself, it's, you know, culture-free uh, uh, behavior or ability. Yeah, okay. So okay. It's, it's, it does not require you to. So uh, I, for me, I depend on database of mm-hmm. American and there is a European database and there is Korean database. Okay. Okay. So these are application for artificial intelligence. Basically, when I did the brain map, which mm-hmm. is uh, we put a cab on the head of the electrocab, then we gel it, then we managed to pick up the uh, tiny brain waves from the brain, mm-hmm. it's a signal, and we amplify it at the amplifier. 
then we uh, make a modification for it and analyze it at the computer. Mm -hmm. So when I did my brain mapping, I uploaded an artificial intelligence website to measure this particular boy against 200 healthy brains oh, okay. against his age. So we find out his alpha, his theta, and his beta. Is it normal or abnormal? Is it originating at the proper place or is it skewed to the right or to the left and so on? So these are a very normative information has been uh, mm -hmm stored in the systems and there are lots of AI application around it. How far are we from having like a Middle Eastern database? So you spoke about American, European and Korean. Uh, any plan, you know, maybe you're working on it, I don't know, of a Middle Eastern database? Yeah, I, I, I have lots of uh, discussion with, uh, you know, doctors and the problem that people who is in charge of taking decision and devoted grants for this kind of research, mm -hmm. they have no clue about these practices. <laughs> and it's going in the near future, the neuroscience and these database, now they are people, when the Americans started, they start like with a database around 3000. Now they take yeah. on about like 30,000. It gives you a very solid and result. So very reliable. You can trust any information coming out from uh, analyzing any 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 data according to this database. It's it's booming and it's growing more and more. Mm -hmm. So I think we need some like uh, brave, brave decisions in this direction. Yeah, yeah. I, I, every, every time I manage uh, to meet any person who is like convinced in neurofeedback, I told him about, oh, we still need in our Arab world and the Middle East, our GCC yeah. country, we need database. Database will help us. Exactly. Of course, we can use other database because I told you the brain, it's culture-free now. It's not as we are thinking. It's it's working in the same pattern in every single uh, country or place. Mm -hmm. yeah. But still, still, we need more cultural uh, uh, tailored to our needs. So yeah. I can tell you in the GCC country, we are Muslims and we pray five times a day. We put mm -hmm. our head on the on the floor. So yeah. this is very important in our potentials and electrical potentials uh, release. And we put um, sometimes cab, we put a gal and, you know, uh, yeah, these... Also, we put it for a long time. It might affect, and we have this temperature with the humidity. So we have a very long history in cultural, maybe uh, different from our, from other people who might have different uh, pattern of their uh, uh, neuroscience true. direction and solution. That's yeah. my initial like impression. No, no, that's true. I, I totally hear you. Um, and and when you talk about different conditions, obviously, you know, neurofeedback can, can treat different conditions. Where do you think or which condition would you say um, is the most 
uh, treatable using uh, neurofeedback, easily treatable using neurofeedback. And this, this could be useful to our listeners as well. That's a, that's a very good question. Mohammed, you are asking a very scientific level of a question. This is something I really <laughs> admire it. So the, um, the most effective uh, uh, condition could benefit from a neurofeedback, it's uh, anxiety or panic attack. Okay. Okay. And we have it's it the effectiveness of this it reach up to uh, in 85-90%. Then other other conditions like ADHD could benefit around 70-75. ADHD it has three different uh, disorders under this umbrella. The most benefit cases the ADD attention deficit people who is lacking for enough attention yeah so i can tell you if you're in the classroom you might have kids who is find it difficult to pay attention to the teacher they are quiet they are polite they can sit but they couldn't pay attention to the teachers they're lacking for this ability this, these, I work with these uh, students, and they benefit a lot from this. It's like 95%. Wow. Other conditions like autistic, they can benefit up between 40 to 45%. It's, it's good. Yeah. And I work so with many, many cases across all conditions. Uh, uh, depression. Uh, but you have to work with different modalities with uh, people who is under depression. And uh, the spectrum of people who benefit from neurofeedback, there are therapeutic level and there are peak performance level. And they, they could use it also for uh, creativity. And I work with this with executives, people who is uh, uh, working uh, you know, in uh, big companies and uh, at the yeah. government section or or uh, private sections, those people yeah. who's been working under pressure for the last like 10, 15 years, definitely they're gonna lose their brain function in terms of their attention, their working memory, their, uh, you know, uh, sleeping, yeah. or sometimes uh, controlling their emotions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a very huge spectrum, and it could help all people, regardless of they have a condition or not. Uh, we're coming close to, to the end of the uh, to the end of the recording, so I'll ask you one final question, and that's probably uh, related to our listeners, and and maybe if you have any advice to the listeners who, who deal with kids or with adults who have sort of certain. Uh, certain conditions that we've spoken about in this episode or, uh, you know, people who want to enhance their performance, what, what would be your, your words to them? Well, I would like to make my uh, three, three piece of recommendation, if you allow me, and if the time it's enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first thing, if you have a kid who is struggling with disabilities, any kind of disabilities, autistic, language delayed, learning disabilities, ADHD, and you take him maybe to the best 
you know, educational school or to the best special needs center in the town. And you feel he is not progressing. If you if you are honest with yourself and you see your your kids progress, that's fine. If if not, my recommendation it's it's better to seek uh, another help. And neurofeedback bring lots of hidden uh, factors to the surface. For instance, I have this autistic boy who came uh, two months ago. Mm-hmm. And his mother, she told me, he's been two years. He's not making any progress. He cannot like follow any instruction. He lives inside his head. He's he's away from our world, and we cannot like get to him. Then after the assessment, we find he has a focal uh, epilepsy. Uh, it's like a seizure affecting his emotional area and gives symptoms like autistic. Mm-hmm. So we find out the cause, then we find out the solutions. So if we find your your kids, he's not progressing, not making any difference. His brain, it's not functioning, not learning. It's better start seeking other solutions. That's yeah. one thing. Mm-hmm. The, the, the second uh, recommendation, I, I would like to say that in the 21st century, people, they have different problems from people who was living in the 20th century. So because of this mobiles and too much technology, we start losing uh, lots of our brain function, especially the attention. Our attention span, it's it's now shrinking. Mm -hmm. And to give you example about this, if you got like a video message on WhatsApp, what is it the first things you pay attention to. I can tell you. I can tell you. It's the time of the video. So if it's long, if it's long, your attention will take a decision for you. Leave it later on. And if it's like 20 20 seconds, oh, I can watch it now. See how much your brain, it's, it's unconscious bias, something, it's moving our brain toward shrinking. So the technology that's invade most of our brain function, it's going to be solved by the technology. And the neurofeedback, it's one of these uh, effective uh, solutions for problem like attention or working memory. Uh, the, the third part of the uh, recommendation for people, like, I, I try to repeat this again and again. So we are looking for improving the healthy lifestyle. Uh, pay attention to your sleeping. You need to uh, have uh, quality and the quantity of the sleep, which is a very important factor in improving the brain function next day. So if you don't have enough sleeping, start to devote and respect this value. Uh, that's improved the entire health uh, and entire your body. Uh, this is one thing. And also, sports, it's very important. It's, it's uh, bring lots of uh, oxygenation and blood to the brain, and it's uh, also managed to uh, regenerate the brain cells responsible at the hippocampus, mm-hmm. which is responsible about memory. So the memory itself 
uh, uh, we can improve it through sport and deep breathing. So, and uh, of course, dietitian uh, stay away from fast food. These are, uh, and uh, also put yourself uh, and put your brain in a learning mood all the time. Learn anything, uh, like uh, new language, whatever you like to learn, don't make your brain lazy organ. Just yeah. go for learning all the time, then you will find yourself activating lots of neuro networks that will be uh, help you uh, to restore your brain functions. That's that's excellent advice. I think that last one of just keeping your keeping your brain busy is is quite important. That's very important. Um, Dr. Jamil Babli, thanks a lot for, for your time and thanks for accepting the invitation to come on our podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome, uh, Mohanad uh, Abu Abdullah. Bridging the Gap is brought to you by AK Mohanad Anamar. Music is by Chris Hogan. If you like our work, Please support us by liking and sharing this audio.